Welcome to the Tales of Land and Sea. Immerse yourself in the rich history and culture with us while enjoying the art of Bahamian storytelling. From intriguing stories from the shores to captivating tales of the deep blue, discover the connections that weave our out islands together. Share your authentic Bahamian story with us and let's preserve it for future generations to cherish. Come, listen, and put your stories on the record. The inspiration for this podcast actually came from watching some of my old family videos where my sister was assigned a project at St. Andrew's School to interview a grandparent or someone from an older generation about the changes in technology over the course of their lifetime. So she chose to interview my grandfather, John Morley. Now, for one, I was pretty terrible about listening um, and being being able to retell stories that my parents and grandparents told me at a young age. And now that I'm older, I wish I had listened a little bit more closely. There is something so special about the way that the older generation of Bahamians tell stories and the way that they are able to articulate and go into such vivid detail. On my mother's side, for example, I feel like there are so many untold stories between my mother, Susan Morley, my grandpa Jay, and my granny Jay. So my mother grew up on Paradise Island before Ocean Club Estates was really developed. I remember hearing stories of her and her friends exploring Paradise Island by foot and boat all summer long. Um, And the way that my mother's side of the family actually ended up in the Bahamas is a great story as well. So my grandpa Jay was brought to the Bahamas when my mother was six months old um, to help construct the first bridge from Nassau to Paradise Island that was built in the late 1960s. So my mother was very young at this age, so she essentially grew up here even though she wasn't born here. My Granny Jay was also a really big explorer, so coming to the Bahamas was something that I'm sure she really enjoyed. Her collection of glass bottles and shells um, are still things that decorate my childhood home to this day. So what I'm essentially trying to say here is that I would like to sit down and record stories that maybe are told or untold, but essentially gather stories that for generations to come can listen to and get a sense of what Bahamian culture was like back in the day. Um, So before we get into today's episode, I feel like I should tell you a little bit about myself. My name is Laura Morley. Um, I grew up and was born and raised here. Creativity has always been a really big part of my life, and I really thank my mother for that. Um, Creative outlets are where I feel most at home, so I've spent my life pretty much attached to the hip with my swimming, being in a swimming pool, but once I moved home after retiring from being a professional swimmer, I did feel a lack of creativity and creative output, so the last two years since almost two years since I've been home um I'm just really excited to start this podcast because I love hearing about the simpler times in Bahamian history um and my hope is that these stories can go on the record like I said for generations to come so for episode one um this is dedicated to my grandfather John Morley he was truly such an incredible man um I wish he was still with us today His name is pretty much synonymous with real estate in this country. 
I actually heard a story about him recently that when he saw that the weather was good outside or was planning to have good weather on the weekend, on his Rolodex, on his um, office desk, he would have a list of his fishing buddies and would go through and make his calls until he found his fishing partner for the the weekend or the day. So I'm going to play a few snippets of an interview that my sister actually conducted back in 2004 for her grade school project. So my hope is that you enjoy it as much as I do. Um, now take it with a grain of salt. This recording is back from a camera circa early 2000s, so the audio is not the best. And you will hear my dad in the background, me in, my, in the background, my little brother in the background who was, what, probably three at that time. So, but he does have some really great stories to tell. Now to give you a little background about John Morley, and this will not do him justice at all, but just to give you some of his accolades um, from when he was alive and with us. So his real estate career started to take off in the 1960s when his partnership with Morley and O'Brien was created. In the 1980s, the well-known subdivision of South Westridge and Westridge was created with his partners Brown and Smith. He was well-known for being a part, a partner at the Mall at Marathon, the Independence Shopping Center, and North Folk House. He was a past president of the Bahamas Real Estate Association, former president of the Center of Car- Commerce, past Commodore of the Royal Nassau Sailing Club, past president of St. Andrews Society, Um, and former chairman of the Licensing Authority. Those are just to name a few of his successes during his lifetime. So although he was also like really well known for being in the business world, he was also really well known for his love for uh, fishing and going in the boat, um, his Morleyisms, and playing tennis with his buddies. So now, without further ado, I think we should get into the recordings, and I sh- sure hope you enjoy them as much as I do. Uh, we had a season that we played tops 
uh, with each other. And then we had our collection of marbles, and we played marbles with each other. And, and, and the best marble players ended up with all the marbles. Your granddaddy was not a great marble uh, shooter, so I lost a lot of marbles in my day. But it was still uh, something that we did together and played together. And we learned to win together, and we learned to lose, and still love our friends instead of the idiot, no matter who won or lost. So it was a good learning process. And then uh, in the fall, uh, when uh, the winds come up, uh, right across from our house was the lighthouse, uh, and, and just up, right by where we played, was a magnificent beach called the Western Esplanade. So then you played on the beach? Oh, we would play on the beach, and we would swim, and we would fish off what was called, and is still there, a fire dock called the Long Wharf. And in our day, as it is today, you know you called all of Daddy's best friends, aunt and uncle. And we did that too. So they, uh, they would take, they would watch over us, and if we were hurt playing, uh, normally you didn't get hurt playing marbles. But we played rounders. I don't know if you play it today. It's a little light softball. Oh, oh, oh. We, uh, you threw the a tennis. You played it with a tennis ball and a and, and a bat. And uh, you threw the ball and you hit the other fella. You hit literally hit him with it instead of catching him and touching him with it. Anyway, uh, every everyone played. And, and the beauty of that is that uh, uh, usually the two best uh, players in any game would be the captains, as it is today, to a degree, and they would pick sides. And every, in that we didn't, we had a number of people, a dozen or so of us that played, but uh, everybody was forced to play if you were good or bad. And of course, the captains picked the best players and the, and, and, and the worst players we also shared. But it was a lot of fun, and, and, and we played to it. We also played cricket, and everybody had a chance of, of, of fielding the ball, which is running after the ball. And uh, everybody had a chance to turn it back. So we also played cricket. Also, uh, uh, if we had on the weekends, as you uh, are off on, on Saturday and Sundays, uh, although uh, we were very fortunate in that uh, my dad had a, a car and so did my mum because they both had businesses. Uh, but but uh, sometimes they would take us for drives, but most of the times we went for walks. That isn't done today to a great degree, uh, but uh, we, we were very blessed. We had across the street from our house the wonderful ocean that we could uh, fish off the rocks. 
people and also uh, an esplanade. And the esplanade is where, uh, where you walk and it protects uh, the, the road and our houses from the ocean. Uh, but it was a wonderful place to play and, 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 and we would swim off the beach there. But also we would go for long walks on a Saturday. Uh, we would go uh, walking from there to Fort Charlotte. And on Fort Charlotte there were wonderful things. Uh, on the weekends uh, to the western end as it is today is the cricket field. There were many cricket teams. Uh, the police had, were very good because uh, most of them were not Bahamians in my day. They were West Indians. Most of them today are Bahamians, those West Indian. Uh, but they played cricket and they taught their children to play cricket. And there still are wonderful cricket uh, teams today that even existed in our day. And, 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 but they played cricket. Also on Fort Charlotte, in the southwest corner, was a softball field. So uh, we would go there sometimes and play softball. And then we used to play what we called our polo. Uh, in that day, uh, uh, they played the polo on Friday afternoons, which... Uh, all the merchants in my day shut their stores at 12 o'clock. And so the afternoon was off. And, and people like Mr. Malcolm, and you know uh, Malcolm McKay, daddy's great, uh, good friend now and client, his, his grandfather owned a gas station that was a friend of our family. But he loved horses and he loved polo. So he would go there, and your great-grandfather uh, was his friend, and he would go down there, and they had a special clock that, uh, 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 that told them uh, they had, to my knowledge, what was called four chuckers, and a chucker was just a time period. And they would pay. They would play the game, and, and Granddad would be the timekeeper. So, so he would tell them when they had to stop and rest the horses and, and, and go on to another chucker. And, and uh, it was fun to watch that. But of course, as children, we didn't have horses. So we would go. We would go uh, for a walk uh, into the woods. The woods were not that far away. The woods were just to the west of Fort Charlotte. And we would go down there and, and we would uh, cut a, a, a limb off of a tree that, that was in the shape of one of your ho hockey sticks. And it was very similar to playing hockey, although we didn't have as many rules. Uh, 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 we would have a gold, and we would see who would uh, get the most gold. So it, it, it's similar to hockey, but we were not we were not given uh, rules and regulations similar to your own. We would agree uh, on who would make after so many goals and 
before or after a certain amount of time, we just went. Uh, but but it was a lot of fun, and, and uh, we would do that with our time too. Uh, and then uh, when the, uh, and, and our timekeeper was the sun, and when the sun started to go down, we all had to go hurry up and get home, or, or our parents would be very annoyed if we didn't get home by sunset. So uh, that's some of the things that we did. Also, uh, as I said in the fall, we would we we would take a boat and some of us would swim over to Hog Island and we would ride the breakers. You know, you and you ride river gone with us to Harbor Island and ride the breakers. Well, the breakers are even much better over there than they are at Harbor. Uh, at Harbor Island, they're, they're bigger, and there's a wonderful uh, place to ride breakers at the western end of, of the western beach of Hog Island. There, and it's most interesting. We used to uh, we used to do it with no clothes on, because we didn't want sand or we'd rip up our pants. So we we would do these breakers, and we would put our clothes on a big rusty. It uh, looked like it was the boiler from a from a boat uh, that went aground, and the, that boat uh, was most interesting because it was chased ashore there during uh, 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 the Civil War of the United States, uh, and and one of the Northern United States ships. Uh, chase this blockade runner ashore there, and all that's left is this mammoth, biggest, this room of ours. It's a big piece of rusting machinery. And, and since it was out of the sand, we would usually put our, our clothes there, there and, and maybe a towel, and then we would re ride the waves. And at that time of year, as it is right now, which is, we're coming up to it right now, all the sea grapes would get, uh, would get uh, ripe. So we would pick sea grapes, and you know cocoa plums that they have at Rose Island, well, they have cocoa plums there. We'd pick cocoa plums and sea grapes and, and gorge ourselves with those, and, and then we would come home. And, 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 uh, but it was a wonderful, wonderful time. And, the, and, and older boys uh, had the boats, and, and us younger boys always wanted to go with them. And we bailed the boats because they seemed to leak a lot. We had a bucket and we would bail the boat, uh, and for that they'd take us. And then we, when we got older, we, we, could, we could do as they did. I used to swim. I went there usually by boat. And swam all the way back, uh, which was quite uh, a swim. And, uh, and, but we enjoyed it very much. Okay, the next question is How did you keep your food cold? Like, did you have refrigerators? Well, uh, no, uh, the first way we ever did it uh, is we had something called an icebox.
stored it in the in the ice house for the. Uh, it, they they would bring it down from winter, and it and they brought it in big blocks in sailing ships, and and they covered it in sawdust. And then, then there were uh, men on carts or a wheelbarrow type arrangement that was insulated would go around selling ice. And you could buy a penny's ice or a thruppen's ice. I think we bought uh, a tuppenny ice, two pennies worth of ice. And you put the ice in the bottom of the ice box. And then in, in uh, above it, which was uh, 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 pretty pretty uh, cool, uh, you would keep butter, and you would keep meat, and anything that you had cooked, like we do today, you would put it in there also. But it didn't last as well, because it was not as efficient. And therefore, they cooked every day and, and they would save something for another meal that day and at the most it would last overnight but really so it didn't last that long but it did keep food from from spoiling it if you could save it at least for another meal or two but you had to go to market every day then, right? but mom, mom went to market every day because she would buy fruit and also she would, in, in the market, as you entered the main gate of the market, there were stores down a big line, and on the right side was what was, in those days, the produce exchange. Now, the produce exchange, as it does today, sold fruit that came from the out islands. And mother would buy fruit, uh, not only for our host, uh, household, but for the as you know, Mum ran a guest house in winter, so she would buy uh, grapefruit and oranges to be squeezed to serve, because we served breakfast. We were a bed and breakfast house. And then to the right of the main entrance was the straw vendors, which we have today. And then at the end of that area was where the fish mongers uh, sold their fish. And all the boats that caught fish in those days would bring them there and you would buy fish. And, mother, and, and, and uh, uh, we, we ate, as we do today, a lot of fish. because they didn't have refrigerators anyway. That's why they had ice box, and that's why they had to go to the market every day to make sure that they had fresh food. Okay. How did you get to Salt Key Dispute? Well, go anywhere, Spiff. Uh, let's, let's change that a little, not to Salt Key. How did I go Spiffish? Yeah. Well, I, I learned uh, how to Spiffish. The... Uh, I, I was given uh, by Sonny War, who is the nephew of Carter de Gregory, again a great friend of my family. 
sunny. Uh, they had this devised something called a pair of goggles that we're used to today, and they the same as they are today to a degree. And uh, he, we sent by mail order, which meant we sent some money to the states. And a month later, I got my first goggles. And then I learned to spare by using, by taking a big rubber band and making uh, 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 what we call a sling today or a shooter out, out, out of the spool of thread with the hole in it. And then I would wrap one end with string to hold it on the spoon and at the other end. string. Oh. And, and then I took uh, some of the, uh, you know, the wire clothes hangers that you have in yeah. your thing. I used to straighten one of those out mm -hmm. and put a point at one end mm -hmm. and, and, and a little notch for the string of, of that. And I would go swimming near the up and down the beach in front of us. And I would shoot uh, you know, the little shads, and we had mm -hmm. two cats at home, mm -hmm. so I would go shoot these little shads and little grunts, and the smallest fish, we used, uh, unfortunately, I used to shoot everything, mm -hmm. and then there's a small little fish called the blackie, we still have him, and I'd shoot them, and, and then I'd throw it on the, or, or put it on, on, on the beach, and then I'd pick up all these little fish and, and take them home and, and our cook would, would cook them up and, and feed them to the cat. They would eat, 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 eat them all. So, uh, but I, I became a very, very good spear fisherman because if you could hit a little shad or a little blackie with anything, you became fairly good at what you did. And then after that, Mother, uh, our guests used to swim right across from the house on the beach there, and, and we would send send over with the gardener uh, some umbrellas, there, and they would stay under that. Well, the umbrellas had longer spear there that was made out of spring steel to keep make yeah. the shape there, and then we used those as spears, and they were a lot better. We got so we could get bigger fish swim out a little further and then mum loved uh, lobsters and one was one of the first ones to really eat lobsters because most Bahamians did not eat lobsters. They just used them for bait. They didn't know they were any good to eat or nobody really ate them. But mother used to make hors d'oeuvres for our guests and I would, and then dad, Ronnie Lightbourne and I, who was one of my friends, uh, made a skiff for Dad out of plywood and, and wood, and he used to use it uh, to go hunting in in winter when the ducks came in. He would take it in the lakes and go hunting. So that's the boat that we used at that time. Now, what's on on on? And, and of course, that was I loved fishing in those days and spare fishing. So that was one of the great things I did with several of my friends. Okay. But 
on the boat, did you have to row the boat, or did it have oh, engine? No. There was a, uh, when I got older, and, and just about was in my uh, in high school, uh, Granddad bought a, a, a small seagull, one and a half horsepower. Now, what your dad has is 140 uh, horsepower on his boat. Uh, but but it, it can take the boat about as fast as you can row or, or pole it. Now, what we did is uh, we we had a paddle paddle. And, and the gar gar there was a young boy that helped our gardener. And in fact, you, you still know him, Willie. Wellington Knowles used to come to our house every day. And he, he would sit in the bow and he would use a paddle like you would do with your uh, canoes. Mm -hmm. And he would paddle and I would I could scull. So I had a, a, a sculling hole at the back of the boat. So I sculled. With a single oar. And the single oar. And I would scull. Did I ever teach you to scull something? I think you did, but I learned one day. Anyway, and, and I would scull and he would paddle and we would go out as far as Tony Rock, which was a rock in the middle of the harbor, and as far as uh, uh, Silver Key. Would you like something to drink? He's, got, get? he's got his own. Anyway, so we, we would do that. And that was, I was known as a, a good fisherman there, and I supplied... Uh, your great grandfather was a, was one of the best shots with a gun, and he supplied our family uh, with birds that he shot every morning, and I supplied the family with the fish. So we ate very well as we do now, and and we loved uh, fish, and, and and we had a wonderful cook, not only for ourselves but for the guests in the house because mm -hmm. we had to give them breakfast. Uh, so I was never the cook that your dad was. I, I could still cook the best scrambled eggs and, mm -hmm. and, and make toast, and, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and I make a pretty good breakfast. Uh, and I could boil fish, uh, and I could fry fish, but uh, but your dad is, is a gourmet cook. He's a great cook with that, with that big uh, toy of his, 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 his thing. Uh, but uh, but because we had a guest house, we had quite a number of staff there, so they took very good care of all of us, and we took very good care of them, and they became practically members of our family. Wasn't that fantastic? I feel like he could go on for hours and hours about his stories from fishing and within his business world, and I just, I really love the way that he tells stories and memories from his past. So I wanted to thank you all for tuning in to the very first episode of the Tales of Land and Sea. If you know anyone with some good tales from land or sea, um, please feel free to reach out. I'm open to any and all suggestions. I want to put all the fun stories on the record. Um, and I just think it's a fun way to get to know a lot about our Bahamian history that we don't necessarily get to hear. So my name is Laura Morley, and I hope you guys stick around for episode two.